What's up, everybody? Welcome here to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. I'm late on a queue already. No surprises. Uh, we are here to talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Season 1, Episode 5, Captive Pursuit. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. You know what? All is forgiven, Keith, just for the mm. extra brass I'm hearing here panned in the cans. All that brass oh. is for, it covers a lot yeah. of BS. Well, I mean, look, if you're going to do a 90s uh, era Star Trek theme, you need a lot of brass. And unfortunately, virtual brass doesn't sound very good. So you have to sort of bury it in a bunch of stuff. But you know what? Sometimes you uh, you, you can't bury everything that uh, you just need to express your brass. Uh, it, it, you know, since we're, since we're dissecting these things, I was thinking mm. this week when I was watching the show... You know, the first few episodes, awesome. They spent a lot of money on that opening sequence. Absolutely, mm -hmm. let's go for it. Now, five episodes in, I'm like, yeah, this is uh, long. Oh, the intro? It's Lies. A long. It's a little long. Lies. No, it's, <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it, it is. It, 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 it's worth it, but uh, I imagine a couple hundred in, I'm going to. Uh. Well, I. I... <laughs> <laughs> certainly it is 90s era length mm -hmm. um the episodes are are a little bit longer than they are today i think i think today on on national broadcast you get 42 minutes i think these are 46 mm -hmm. so uh they've got a little bit more air and uh yeah look they spent a lot of money on it it sounds great and i'm curious to notice if you notice the subtle compositional change that's going to happen i think for season 4 uh, possibly season five, there there is a slight reorchestration that I'm curious to know if you notice. All right, so uh, captive pursuit. We are we are going to hold you captive and pursue uh, meaning from this episode. But before we do that, uh, Mike, we finally we have patrons to thank here. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go grab something. Why don't you tell people how they can be a part? Okay. Of uh, our of our, Keith it's, it's going to make go sense later. It's going to okay. make sense. All right, all hold right. Hold on, hold on. Um, as Keith exits exits into me, we haven't <laughs> figured that out either. Listen, uh, if you want a much more, exp if we if you want us to be able to afford actual brass for our theme song, you can help us out here. Uh, oh, these are the people who are already helping us out. This is Alan Zimmerman, Jorge Navoa, Cloud Lover 69, and Brian Kaufman. They are our patrons. We are taking this time to thank them. That is part of what they have uh, received yes. because well, of their and, generosity. And I think we should walk folks through that because uh, each one of these people are at a different level of patron, which comes with different things. So Alan Zimmerman is at the even quark gets tipped sometimes. Uh, level and his prize is uh, this. Yeah. Now, <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it. Oh boy! And you know, and Jorge uh, at the five dollar level gets to participate in our AMAs. Ask or correct these dummies on anything. We're gonna do an episode once a month where we answer any question you have. It can be about tracking. It can be about anything else. But what, how we do what we do. Uh, we're gonna do that, and uh, if you're at the next level of Cloud Lover 69, the $10 level, you get a bonus episode of something like this. So 
Uh, I, I I don't know what it's going to be yet. Probably a next gen episode. Uh, could be one of the newer Star Trek shows. And Brian Kaufman is at the these are the voya voyages level, where he gets to let watch Mike watch this episode. Uh, so uh, there you go. I should have layered us over that because that was that was a lot of time of just text on the screen. You know what, Keith? Eventually, mm. as the dollars flow, we'll uh, we'll fix that all up. <laughs> Hey, would you like to join them, guys? It's so much fun. Patreon.com slash K&M. Sincerely, we thank all of you. And yes, we might flirt with, uh, you know, also that $10 level, Keith, don't forget, they can watch us watch the Out of Practice podcast, which is, that's really where it's at. That, that, yeah. So uh, those are all the things. Uh, At this point, hopefully, uh, before you write an angry comment below, you'll know there are chapters below, so you can skip all of this. You don't need to listen to the ad for us. Uh, You can go straight to our next segment. But Keith, one more thing. Yes, what is it? This is an exciting week. This is week five. That means with this episode, Keith, we are dropping this commentary on the RSS feeds for podcast listeners as well. This is the week we decided we would do that. We would drop the first five chunks. And so, uh, congratulations! If Keith and I's face is, uh, if you would like too us, too much, uh, yeah, uh, just you can listen to it too. All right, can we? Let's do the show. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So we are talking about Deep Space Nine, season one, episode five, Captive Pursuit. It aired on Sunday, January thirty first, nineteen ninety three. The top song continued to be Michael. Still? Still. Oh, I thought I would never let go, Keith, but now I'm kind of just want to let go. Uh, and no. There you go. We'll always love you. And I, I will always enjoy <laughs> listening to Mike sing that song. All right. So the top movie That's continued. My Celine. It's not Celine, it's Whitney. <laughs> Folks. If you, you know, you, you come here for Star Trek, you stay here for Mike doing his Celine Dion <laughs> thinking it's Whitney Houston or vice versa. The uh, top movie continued to be Aladdin. Uh, oh. I'll spare you. The New York Times headline... Was uh, Clinton weighing freeze on New York on new tax on Social Security? Uh, glad we still have that. That's great. So now into the Star Trek world. The director of this movie movie episode is Corey Allen, who directed five episodes of Next Gen and four of Deep Space Nine. It has a teleplay and story by Jill Donner and a teleplay by Michael M- Pillar, which uh, brings us. To my favorite segment, in which I waste your time, Mike, with a with a with a bumper that that you you play because it's a video. Guys, <laughs> listen. This is also the part of the show where Keith and I gotta promise you that it's gonna get better every week. But I can promise you, no, we're gonna break not. the promise every seven days. Uh, no, Keith, pitch that to me again. Let's try again. Oh, okay. Ooh, that'll be fun. And now we go to my favorite segment where I waste your time uh, with a little trivia. It has a bumper like this. Now Keith wastes your time with a trivial trivia. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. well, 
Yeah. yeah. We do it live, folks. We do not edit. So uh, clearly, obviously. So uh, here we are with some trivial trivia. Michael Westmore and the makeup department won an Emmy for this episode, uh, particularly of uh, the character of Tosk and the hunter of Tosk, which is uh, interesting because Playmates Toys, now we do a show about Playmates action figures, made action figures of both Tosk and the hunter of Tosk. Uh, gonna get keyed out because the blue parts but uh right here we have pretty awesome action figures for these pretty awesome uh makeup and costume effects helmet on helmet helmet off uh it was rare that they did an action figure for a one episode arc um but uh i totally get it because they look really awesome on screen and in play form and this oh go ahead go i was on, just gonna say that members at the 15 dollar level will have noticed me notice that in real time that we we had the tosk figure and i although i will say i made a comment keith as i was watching it that i thought oh, the no. makeup was stellar for tosk but the suit at times when he would be doing getting too physical and he was like they were looking under the the doodads Mm-hmm. Often you could see it kind of wrinkle up and clearly was like a dude wearing a costume. But hey, you know, mm-hmm. TV, 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 uh, uh, and, you know, budget. And this last piece of trivia is this episode, of course, is inspired by Richard Connell's 1924 story, The Most Dangerous Game. Uh, about hunting humans for sport and entertainment. That's, that's the that's. You know, when I was texting you about this, Keith, that's the—that's what I was trying to think of, the most dangerous game. I kept saying Running Man. Which, which is, which I think is a fair pa- parallel yeah. as well. I mean, I think there's there's certainly the, the sport of it, the, um, the sort of, it, it's never consensual taking part in it, but at least it's not. It, it, somebody hasn't been abducted. I don't know. It, lots to talk about as we get into yes, it. We're not, talk, we're not there yet. Yeah. So the guest stars include Scott McDonald playing Tosk, Garrett Graham as the hunter of Tosk, uh, who also played the suicidal cue on Voyager, uh, for those looking under the makeup, and Kelly Curtis as Miss Sarda. So I think it's time, why don't we hop in to the screening room and uh, talk our way through this episode. Yeah, there we are. We did it. We did, we did do it. it. We did do it. All right. So uh, here we are in the teaser. We get our great establishing shot of the ship, ship of the station. And we meet a Dabo girl with also incredible makeup design. Uh, there's only in one scene, so they didn't get an action figure, but this one would have been a cool one. Uh, and she explains that Quark and the Ferengis are disgusting with women. Uh, no surprise there. Uh, we. We we are going to learn. We have learned a, a lot about this in um, in the next generation, and obviously more. We're going to learn a lot more of it here, there. But uh, you know, uh, the Ferengi are fairly misogynistic and have uh, uh, so we definitely have some consent issues going on with Quark. It's especially looking at it today. It was like, ooh, ouch. That's uh, that's not great, Mike. No, but we find out later in the episode that he does at times want to be better. He comes to learn that what the role of the barkeep is supposed to be, and he tries to engage in some 
advice-ish type behavior. So at least he's on an upward trajectory. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we are we are learning things about Quark early in the series, and uh, he has he has some growing to do, but he's going to do some growing. So also, maybe we learn a lesson about things we think are going to plot lines we think are going to grow in an episode that maybe hit the snip snip because I really couldn't wait to see where this Dabo lady uh, played into the episode in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't get any real answers to that question, Keith. No, no, you sure don't. And uh, I, I think it's it's either something got snipped or this was padding. Mm. Um, that uh, we Those came in a little short. Forty six minutes were only forty three minutes. Something like that. Although to be fair, you needed to have a scene happening to be interrupted by uh-huh. something coming out of the wormhole. So yeah. you gotta have, you know, I, from a writing standpoint, you have to sort of do a little slice of life that gets interrupted. And Only I guess Keith, this is... you know, we've already done it so many times that, oh, right before the ship blows up, we better beam them aboard. Maybe we should do it slightly different this time. Well, only mildly different uh, because we have a. Uh, it's our first Gamma Quadrant ship coming through the wormhole. Um, so it, it, it's surprising to me that nobody has gone the other way through the wormhole yet. Um, and I'm assuming they put some sort of a sign that said, like, wormhole to our quadrant here, but maybe they didn't. Uh, and we learn, uh, as it comes out of the wormhole, we see the little one-off ship design. We come out to investigate. Everyone's like, what's going on? And we meet Tosk. Uh, and, uh, it's a green guy who has no idea that he has traveled to another quadrant. His ship is falling apart and he doesn't want to leave it, but O'Brien tractor beams him in and rescues the guy and the ship, and Cisco tasks O'Brien, for some reason, to, uh, make first contact with this person. So, uh, yeah, go up. So, I I had a, a couple of thoughts here that... I'll just kind of plant the seed. We can talk about it as we go on. I thought it was interesting that um, clearly they they mentioned that they have procedures, first contact procedures for any new species. And uh, Cisco uses his sort of gut feelings to be like, hey, this probably isn't, this guy seems a little nervous. Maybe we should just have more delicate touch, which I thought was cool, a cool twist on that. Sure, sure. The only thing that I come to that, I come to question about it as far as lore goes is we learn a little bit later that this is the first time, hey, this is our first new species we've encountered. So already, first time out the gate, we're going to just like, ah, procedures be damned. (laughs) Forget it. We're doing it. Send O'Brien. Well, you're absolutely right. It is odd, right, that they would do it that way. Um, Because the first contact with the species coming through the game, like, that's a huge thing. You would imagine there'd be, like, a Federation envoy there and an ambassador and this, that, the other thing. And it's sort of like, yeah, O'Brien, go go deal with that. He seems weird. (laughs) Yeah, right? No security team goes with him. It's just like, yeah, go, you know, bring us some food. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So (laughs) I don't really quite... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was odd. Uh, but nonetheless, it sets up a, uh, our fun little world that we're in here. Uh, because O'Brien goes to investigate our buddy Tosk and, uh, discovers that, uh uh-oh, the ship is empty. Yeah, maybe the procedures of first contact aren't the only thing that disappear. 
Indeed. And uh, it turns out that, hey, Tosk can make himself invisible. So that's cool. What did you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, they definitely were laying a little bit hard on the sort of maybe he's threatening, maybe he's shady pants, but clearly I, I thought it was actually pretty good how somehow, and I can't really articulate, they were able to establish that there's something shady going on, but he didn't feel like an imminent threat. And I think that's a, mm. I feel like that's a testament to the two performances here because though we don't really know why they chose O'Brien to go down, I'm glad they did because as we'll come to learn, this relationship is really well done and that's and that's due in large part to the, the performances, I think. Yeah, yeah, great, great performances. And, and, and obviously there's gonna be a predator parallel here mm -hmm. um you know being able to sort of do the invisible part never really explained how he's able to become invisible uh well they because, were bred over many many years to do this well sure but I, I i could i could breed myself for a very long time and not be able to chemically turn invisible i'm i'm just sort of curious about that but it started we're just gonna roll with it yeah plus i think that right it's smart writing in that well, we if we establish it's a brand new species no one's seen before, well, then we can just assume that there are things we don't know about them and can't explain and don't need to right now. Well, and and that's fair. And we also don't want to like go down a rabbit hole explaining that and sort of miss the point because it's not really about that. Um, but it is a, a cool little tr trick. However, as you will find, Keith, later, and we call this a foreshadowing moment, mm. one of my major, I don't want to call it a complaint, but... Uh, feelings of n not being satisfied. Uh, no, 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 just like a random wish. I, I can't, I don't know what vocabulary. You know, you're before. allowed to complain. It is a review show. I know, you're right. One of my complaints is that I think because TV, TV, you're going to see that I, I kind of wish they had leaned heavier into some of the lore rather than, yes, but that's, put, I'm putting a pin in your point there, Keith. You okay, wanna, very good. There are some rabbit holes I would like to go down. All right, fair enough. Well, uh, O'Brien learns that his name is Tosk and that he's in a hurry. As they travel through lots of cool round doors, a security sensor picks up O'Brien's weapon and it continues to make Tosk nervous. They meet Bashir uh, at the... Uh, see, oh, see, first off, we should just look at a really awesome set design with these mm -hmm. round doors. We saw them in the pile. We've seen them before. But i just like to point out how friggin' cool yep. that that established set they have is. Although, and we will address it at some point. Um, uh, not great if you can't step over large things on the floor. Oh, like um, because of costume design? No, not because of costume design, but you see that it's a circle on the floor, so they have to step over about a foot lip. On each of the uh, mm. each of the doors in order to get through, not particularly uh, uh, handicap accessible. It most certainly is not. Uh, so he sees uh, Bashir here, and we find out, according to this episode, there are only three hundred people on the station, which seems very low. Considering also, they're just letting them, we're like, he could be shady pants. Well, just let him walk around and sniff people. You know, no sort of, no need to keep well, an eye on him. Well, I mean, O'Brien's right there. O'Brien is watching. And and I think part of diplomacy is showing trust until there's a reason not to trust. Okay. That's that's very Star Trekian. 
the disappearing and then showing up behind him and just kind of like, hey, look, he's startled. Being, You're right, he's startled. Being able to, to turn invisible is not a hostile action. This was like our meeting, Keith. You were very <laughs> shady pants for a few weeks and then finally <laughs> I realized you were being then, hunted for your life. <laughs> And I realized you're the shady one and yeah. always will be. <laughs> uh, all right. So we uh, we run into Quark and he throws a cheater out of the casino as we continue strolling through the set. And they eventually arrive at quarters for Tosk. And well, he out. wants... Move okay. Past. All right. Go. go I'm go. sorry. I'm going to keep derailing you. I know you're trying to. You're trying to pat your tummy and rub your head at the same time over there. And I'm going to keep. I'm going. trying to like do five thousand <laughs> different tech things. So, what I think is cool slash something else is that they've created conflict between various characters and have had a feel. There's a feeling of like something that's continuing, which is good writing, right? Like there's a whole through line here where Quark and O'Brien, Quark's like throwing zingers out about O'Brien's wife, which I don't know that we've really established anywhere else. It's like they have this beef about, he's like making mo- like wife jokes uh, that's like a quarrel they've had that's ongoing, which is kind of, kind of weird, but also very neat that there's that feeling of a lived-in quarrel. Well, I, I think it's, it's Quarkle because uh, pretty much Quark has an antagonistic relationship with everybody on the station except for probably Dax mm. um and that's just sort of his uh it, i don't know it's it's part of being ferengi is being uh sort of a dick to everybody but like a a charming friendly one uh but but yeah it it is oddly personal um but i think it is a way to continue the sort of storyline by referencing something that happened in previous episodes and referencing a character that's not on the show um, so anyway, we continue. We arrive at the quarters for Tosk. He wants to fix the ship. O'Brien tells him to rest. Tosk apparently only needs 17 minutes of sleep at night. And he doesn't eat. What so, they call it? Per uh, cycle, he says. 17 minutes of sleep per cycle or per revolution or something. Per cycle. I, I think, well, because... It's not a day. Every right? Everybody's concept of day is going to be different. We talked before about how the... It's a 26-hour day on the station because our 24 hours is literally our planet-centric. And uh, who's who's to say what another planet's day is going to be? He also it's, doesn't eat, we learn that here, or he doesn't have to because he can store stuff in his in his cells. Yeah, he's got, he's got cell stuff. And uh, after mysterious music plays while Tosk gets the computer... Oh, after O'Brien leaves, mysterious music plays while Tosk gets the computer to show him where the weapons are stored. And uh, the computer tells him, which uh, probably is not a good idea. That was my, what? It's like, you can't go in there, but should you want to, here is the exact place it's located. Yeah, yeah, all the cool stuff is here in the cookie jar, but don't go in the cookie jar. You need level seven clearance. Well, shouldn't you need level clearance seven clearance to know where that's at then? I, I would I would think. I would I, I feel like that's uh computer it's a what little is trusting Cisco's social security number and checking and routing number. Uh here it is, but you're not allowed <laughs> to use it until you're level seven. Yeah, it's uh yeah, so uh, 
There we go. So digital security, we didn't know in 93. Like, we were all just, like, giving out our passwords right and left. We were sharing our Netflix. Uh, so in we're the beginning of Act. past tense. We're <laughs> at the beginning of Act Netflix, Two. You mean Blockbuster VHS? Blockbuster, yeah. No, there, yeah, there was no, no even DVD Not yet, Netflix at that point, I don't think. So Cisco and O'Brien talk about O'Brien's suspicions. He knows Tosk is not telling him the whole truth. His ship wasn't damaged in the wormhole like he claimed. It was damaged in a battle. And Cisco tells O'Brien to keep an eye on him. Keith, would I be? Would I, do you think I would be justified in saying that in all of Star Trek, nay, in maybe in all of television, mm-hmm. no one gives better stanky side eye than Benjamin Cisco? Yeah, I mean he's he's rarely doing side eye because uh, Cisco's right down one, the barrel. Go one, go back once. That, yeah, that, yeah. whatever that is, that's like it has intention. That well, oh yeah, no, no, Cisco. It's it's it, there's always there 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 is intent and a command behind the eyes at all times. With it, with with like a, a sousson of, is he hitting on me? <laughs> I I don't know, Mike. I feel I feel like this. It says more about you than it does about Cisco. Come on now, come on now. <laughs> Everything he says, you're like, is he hitting on him? <laughs> well, look, we all let us know down in the comments. Our... Do you see what I'm saying? You catch me? You feel me? Or, or I, well, you, I I see what you're saying. I, I I mean, he's a very handsome guy. Don't get me wrong. So on Tosk's ship, as I try to keep us on task. No, Jay. <laughs> Uh, O'Brien and Tosk work together to try to fix the ship, and guess what? They're making friends. And uh, they head off to Quark's, and the extras, where the extras are very extra. Living their lives. This is some uh, very, uh, the extras on Star Trek, man, I, I... I don't know who the AD is, but you gotta, like, just cool it down. Just What's in those drinks, Quark? Well, a lot. Tosk doesn't understand how soft the Alpha Quadrant is. Uh, is everyone just goofing around, having fun, and sleeping and eating? And uh, they meet Quark, and he tries to sell uh, Tosk on vices, including the Hollow Sweets. Uh, and of course, he doesn't have any because he's got a purpose. He's on a great adventure, but he can't discuss it. The greatest uh, adventure. The greatest adventure. Uh, and uh, they apparently drink beer out of coffee mugs, and I think we, uh, I think I had that or a variation on that. My father had a coffee mug like that. That one was like purported to not slip when you're in the car. Mm. But uh, it's an it's an odd thing to drink beer out of. I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. So, uh, back in Ops, O'Brien says, you know what? I like this Tosk. I'm still suspicious. Uh, and Cisco tells him to, uh, you know, let him on his way because they have no reason to st- stop him from leaving. Which, again, I, I think uh, we're learning in this about Federation diplomacy and mm-hmm. Federation sort of the way they operate. They they are really a non-interventionist um, sort of set up here. Whereas <laughs> if you were in the States, we'd detain him forever and lock him in a box. But the Federation is like, look, 
you haven't threatened us. You haven't like there. We don't have any any reason to detain you. So even if we're suspicious, even if we're like I don't know what's going on here, the uh, I, I think there's just like a the laws say if we don't have a reason to to uh, sweep you up, we're not. But let's going not to. let's not give them too much credit yet because he sort of does send a spy to kind of like make sure he ain't being too shady business. Or oh, wait, not yet, right? Uh, it's coming up. Don't worry, because uh, perhaps we'll see something in that painting. So uh, in a dark corridor, we find that Tosk is trying to hack a computer. But Odo, hiding as this hideous painting, catches him. Uh, because, of course, we gotta, we have to have our Odo reveal moment. And I think and- I've cracked the code. If they yeah. have an establishing shot on any prop in the scene for just like a beat too long, it's Odo. It's Odo. Yeah. See, this is how you don't get scared by Odo, Mike. Mm-hmm. So you it don't, took you me don't five get episodes, startled. But by episode five now, I'm sorry. I didn't clock it yet. I didn't catch it here. Mm-hmm. But the second it happened, I was like, damn, I should have known. Yeah. Well, there. <laughs> that hideous painting, we've never seen art up on a wall ever. But in I, the did entire cl- I did think to myself, why are they hanging on that painting for so long? It's. To, it is absolutely horrific. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, like Odo's taste in what he pretends to be is is it's a little weird. Like I don't know what's going on in in, in Odo's subconscious, but he's got some weird taste in uh, in things that he hides. Uh, so Odo catches him, and Tosk goes invisible, and Odo can when Odo confronts it. But uh, don't worry, Odo is on it. And uh, he takes care of it with force fields and traps him. But Tosk isn't talking. And uh, the music in this scene sounds a lot, a lot like the score to Aliens I wrote down. Mm. Mm. Uh, and Aliens, plural, not the original Alien. Uh, one of my all-time favorite movies. But uh, the score there definitely reminded me of that. So what did you think about, the, uh, about Odo's use of the force fields to trap him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had a good zinger in there. Right? He's like, uh, "Oh, we could do this all day." And, but it's uh, cool, though, right? Uh, okay. What? <laughs> you tell me the force fields aren't cool? What's wrong with you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I found the sort of action sequences throughout the episode to be a little lackluster, if you're asking me. But I think that that's like just a Star Trek thing. It is a Star Trek thing. Yeah. Like, we're, it's not about the action sequences, but I mean, folks, have my back down below. Tell Mike that force fields are awesome and it's cool. Oh, the concept of force fields, yes, are very cool. I thought that their particular usage here was neat, and they didn't overstay their welcome. It was just like bzz, he ran the other way, bzz, and he's like, and then he's like, "Yo, you're caught." Yeah. Now, before the, the before the big reveal of the episode, it, it's an interesting foreshadowing. Of us trying to catch it, capture him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that I thought was is is interesting because they did very. I thought they did a very good job with various moments of foreshadowing, without giving up the ghost, without without spoiling, mm-hmm. which I thought is is good writing because sometimes, especially network television, they can be a little heavy handed and kind of be spoilery. You know, it's good writing, and I also think it's it's good performance. Because you can see in the performance of Tosk his feelings about captivity, 
about being trapped. And like, you know, nobody likes being trapped. Nobody likes being constrained. But certainly in this case, like there's a particular um, extremity to that feeling. Um, so I think that's, it was, it was cool. So uh, as we begin act three, and Mike tries to figure out why I'm so pixely. Uh, so pixely, but uh, it shows a strong... Yeah, My I'm internet's sad. good, I, I, so I'm guessing that... It says mine's good, If too. you would like to help Keith with his internet... Uh, My internet's sure fine, join the Patreon damn it! At the, at, <laughs> at the Verizon level, at the Fios level. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I wish it were Fios. I'm on Comcast. All right, so in Act 3, uh, Tosk is in his holding cell, but he still isn't talking. O'Brien tells Cisco... He's he uh, that Tosk was trying to get into weapons storage, which helpfully the computer told him right where it was. He said uh, he says he hasn't committed a crime, uh, but Tosk just keeps saying that he is Groot and asks to die in honor. And this is when it gets complicated, because uh oh, a wormhole opens and out comes a new ship. Mm, now uh, it's time. They don't. Yeah, it's time. Time we've 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 trapped him. We know that he is Tosk, and uh, shit's gonna start now. So Keith, I wish you could have been it? Keith. Even you're you're not a patron, Keith, so you don't know this. But no. On my watch, I kept saying but I'm definitely like, not watching more of you. Like I was some sort of a genius the whole time. I'm saying we don't know for sure that his name is Tosk. He could be saying I am Tosk, as in that is his species. There could be Ooh. something to it. Like, I'm figuring it, like I'm Agatha Christie over here. But, uh, I mean, I still was hashtag somewhat right. No, I, I mean, you're definitely somewhat right. So, uh, what's Agatha best is that Mikey. because we've recorded these in the future, these watch alongs, I'm talk. I'm literally talking to myself. So, it's, <laughs> it's really an exercise in madness. But. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's really complicated. And chances are, if you are on, that Patreon, and you're at the uh, these are the voyeurages. You're probably watching this first before you're watching Mike. I don't know. So I try to do uh, it the day before. That's the that's the so it would be. Yeah. Do you drop it the day before? I mean, theoretically, yes, I do. I think you should. <laughs> I no, maybe that's maybe that's the key. Uh, all right. Anyway, <laughs> that's it. So that's what unlocked the whole. That's going to unlock stream. the whole thing. The entire empire is coming together uh, just from that. So uh, the new ship shows up. They don't respond to hails, but a particle beam scans the station uh, and zaps all the way through everybody. And Cisco is remarkably chill about it. <laughs> yeah, then, uh, no, no buzzers, no beeps, no bloops. He's like, it's he's cool. like, yeah, yeah, no worries. Just, yeah, just let them scan us with something powerful enough to zoom a light through ops. Yeah. Over our faces individually, like this yeah. is probably why we don't just send O'Brien down with no procedures. This is why we have the procedures, people. Yeah, honestly. Uh, so they end up raising shields, but the uh, the ship does some fancy lights and knocks the shields down, uh, which is some pretty advanced technology. And they beam onto the station, and we find their big red meanies with crazy helmets and big guns. Look out! Mm -hmm. So. Mike, what what are you what are you feeling now? Yeah, well, I thought their helmets are weird. I thought the exact same thing, and I was like, "Well, this is like sort of a siege." So, you know, although we we do get Ben calling out for security, who are just a bunch of extras, you'd think they'd have an actual security team. But hey, you know what it's yeah, time for, it's, Keith? 
it's time, time for the pew, pew action montage. Yes, it is. We pew pew against the red guys, uh, and they put up a pretty big fight. Uh, and we also learn here that Odo does not use weapons. The uh, the big red guy blows through the brig doors to try to find Tosk. So, uh, so pretty cool pew pews here again for for ninety three. I've always thought that the the phaser effects, which are so simple by today's standards, you can do it on your cell phone are actually pretty damn good for for 1993 at the and you know I'm be curious like is it digital is it animation I believe it's probably digital at this point um but uh it does look pretty cool mm-hmm. they uh they blow through the doors uh where am I going oh and they uh they try to find Tosk and guess what they've got an invisible guy light oh yeah and they, they are do. able to they find Tosk with the light. Yeah, it's kind of like using a black light in a hotel room. You know, you're going to find stuff. You, you don't want to, but but you're going to find it. And uh, once the guy finds Tosk alive, he's super pissed. And it turns out that the whole thing is a Tosk hunt. Mm-hmm. And the greatest shame of all is a Tosk to survive and be held captive. Uh, and uh, yeah, so what so what did you feel here about the the reveal of all this? I thought it was cool and I was so thankful that their faces were cool because I thought I was like, "Oh, the the design of the Tosk character is so cool. It sucks that their suits they look like Kane from the WWE. It's just like they do. <laughs> it's just like a red suit and like a, a weird helmet, but it was cool to see that it have really good makeup. But 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 they don't look like Kane. Kane looks, looks like, like them. Yeah, that's fair. What? That's fair. Because Kane d- debuted in what, like ninety five, ninety six? It's very close here, actually. I'd like I'd yeah. have to look it up, but it's actually there might be some some overlap. Because this, I, I I think it's ninety five or ninety six when Kane debuted, uh, and this was ninety three. So, uh, WWF, were you stealing costume designs, Emmy winning costume designs from? Deep October fifth, nineteen ninety seven was Kane's debut. Ninety seven, so it was even later than that. Yep. Um, uh, I really, I really want to see somebody wrestle as Tosk. That's my maybe I line. just missed it in my watch through. Maybe you can explain. <clears throat> so one thing that kind of eluded me a bit was totally was buying the beginning of the establishment of the le- the legend of Tosk and the hunt and whatnot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I couldn't understand what Tosk did to deserve the fate of not being killed here, but being brought back alive which was this big shame what did he do that was going through the wormhole to try to escape was that the no getting captured um oh getting the, captured by the federation by the, fe- by the federation it was basically his job is to be entertaining prey right and um them just catching him in a prison cell is not entertaining and there's no fight in there and so that is the the great shame is is being trapped, mm-hmm. okay, um, and not and not putting up a fight. Uh, so uh, and and like the the punishment for that is they they let him live and they like chain in a him zoo, up, and right? They, basically, in the zoo, yeah. It, it's I, the whole thing is just like brutal. Um, but uh, Cisco says, "Meet me in my meet me in my office, Hunter guy," because uh, Cisco's pissed, and uh, we learn in Cisco's office. That the uh, the hunters species bred Tosk 
the Tosk species to be hunted. They train for their hunt their entire lives to be slaughtered for sport. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it sounds so barbaric because we're seeing it with a sentient species, <clears throat> and yet there's plenty. <laughs> Look at bullfighting. We have plenty of that in uh, in our culture today. And so we can see part of what we're sort of commenting. We're using sci-fi to comment on the greater greater world. What up? Yeah, but but the the twist there that I I enjoy because even then you think oh that that's the surface level Keith yes what you just said absolutely that's compelling but add to that instead of having Tosk running for his life because because you can really easily make your point there right oh what if what if the tigers were hunting could talk what would they say right okay right. well that's the first level sci-fi but take the next level what if they were all in on it and they're like no this is the greatest honor this is what I want. Because then there's more questions. Do they really want that, or has that been bred into them? Does how do they? Absolutely. That's the, absolutely, and that's, that's the and that is stuff. a yeah. Well, and and that is a recurring theme in Star Trek, and it's it's I guess not surprising that we keep I keep talking about the Federation's concept, the the Prime Directive, right? How they deal with intervention. When do they intercede? When do they step in? And that the the Prime Directive basically says stay out of it and mm -hmm. do not interfere with another culture's behavior regardless of what you think of it. So um, this is where I think we the episode hits a little bit of a fork in the road where it took the road more TV instead of the road Mike Want traveled. <laughs> um, because all of that stuff, super fascinating to me. When they're like, they're bred specifically for this and they are celebrated and they are honored and they I wanted to know all about it. I wanted the bullet points, I wanted the dense lore packet. I wanted to know their character roles. I wanted the whole thing. But TV, what's more interesting to like the viewers here, maybe they like uh what's it? Uh, market research tested it, test audience did it. Should we go down that road and explain more, or should we give like a couple sentence primer here and then just like do a big action sequence and make an escape thing? Well, I, I wouldn't put it that I wouldn't put it that way. I would say it becomes more about the personal emotional story of you know what do we do? How you know like how do we how do we save this person? What does saving this person look like? Uh, and you know. Apparently, what Mike is looking for is is a really detailed packet on how to hunt humans. Uh, and so, <laughs> no, I'm I'm just saying, like, if I had my magic wand, I think we could have maybe they they drug on the mystery of like why is he shady pants a little too long. I would have liked to have gotten to this earlier, mm. so we could have explored it a little bit more. Sure. And so that O'Brien and to that extent, Cisco and Odo's decision at the end had a little more didn't seem as rash. It seemed a little more plotted, yeah. but. Okay, well, fair enough. So uh, the hunter agrees to call the Delta Quadrant out of bounds and plans to take Tosk back through the wormhole. But O'Brien goes to Tosk to try to convince him to ask for asylum. Tosk says no, because it would be a greater dishonor to be protected by the Federation. And he says, thank you, but no. Um, which I think is what you're talking about the 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 complexities of Tosk's role in this, and that he's he's not fighting 
to stay alive. He's fighting to be what he was born to be. And yeah, he was never trying to escape. He was never trying to escape. And and that you know, and he doesn't want out of it out of the the hunt. And it, you know, and I think we're seeing through O'Brien our our concept of morality and justice being so affronted by this. Yeah, there's um, a great duality like, in the line reads because throughout the episode, the repeated line is always "die with honor, die with honor, die with honor." Right, right. And it's great because in the beginning, it seems like he's saying we we interpret or we sort of project onto him that he's saying it with resignation, but he's not. He never had. He never was, and he never is. It, it, to die with honor is a great honor. And yep. now, of course, we can then we can extrapolate the should it be's all that stuff that great good stuff which we'll say for the end of the episode. But it's great that uh, the the twist on its head. You know, great point. In our other show, we often talk about a twisty twist for twisty twist's sake, right? Right. Is there any reason? Are you telling any story with the twist? Oftentimes, it is not the case in that show. Here, thus far, so far, five episodes in. The twists always serve a greater purpose, generally. Well, it, it's it's about an exploration of morality that is more complex than your standard exploration of morality. And, you know, all of the these, a lot of Trek, a lot of the episodes are just little morality plays. But it's not quite so black and white. It's, it's you know, we're, we're going to go through this entire episode not being able to say with any absolute certainty what the right thing to do is. And, and Ben says pretty much earlier on, he says that's sort of moot, right? He hasn't actually, regardless of what we think, we have to let him go. We got to. That's right. Well, know. and it's, it's the higher level of morality of the prime directive, which super in for Starfleet supersedes the immediate morality and there's there it's it, well it's like a, it's like the spot quote the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few and the larger macro morality of the uh the prime directive is designed to override the micro morality and it's it's really compli- complicated and we see here there are good arguments to be mo- made on both sides and we are trying to work through towards some sort of compromise. We'll see. So to segue into our your next your continuation here. So so yeah. in all of that, this is the part in the episode which I think is excellent is that where we try to where O'Brien's thinking right now is let me impart my morality onto right. him allowing him us a way to save him because he must be he he must need to be saved. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so O'Brien and Quark spar because O'Brien's pissed about his buddy. But as it turns out, Quark is a good listener. And O'Brien explains the situation and that they are all stuck by playing the rules. Now, uh, because you're talking to a Ferengi, O'Brien starts to think like an O'Brien and he decides to change the rules. And he does some tech stuff. So, uh, as the hunter... well, And, and actually... To to not just gloss over the the whole Ferengi of it all, because that's part of what makes Quark so important to the show. Because, and we saw this a little bit on Next Gen, right, where everybody is on the show is in the Federation. We follow these rules. We have these guidelines. Whatever, whatever, and and we all know what to do. Having a Ferengi out there who doesn't Ferengi don't give a shit about the rules. 
they don't they they don't have these overriding things. They're very very practical. They're very transactional. They're very like what what helps me right here in this very minute, and it allows them to think outside of the box a little mm-hmm. bit and and be more creative and add add some uh, creative thinking. Which and maybe I read that scene wrong, but what I thought found once again to be really nuanced about it that I enjoyed was a juxtaposition that in the moment where he's he's basically saying, oh, you wouldn't know anything about the rules, you're Ferengi. It, 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 it seems as if Quark is about to actually explain, actually, you don't understand a lot about Ferengis. We have a very interesting, a unique adherence to the rules. They might just be sort of different rules. And, mm-hmm. and O'Brien's not even listening to him. He continues to just do his human thing of like, th- oh, he, Ferengis, and right, then he uses right. that as the, as, the, as the catalyst. But it was interesting. I want to know what point Quark was about to make because well, it seemed pretty interesting. Well, the Ferengi do definitely have rules. They have the rules of acquisition, which are a whole mess of uh, <laughs> sort of uh, shitty guidelines on how to screw people. But part of the rules of acquisition is not getting caught, not letting the rules get in your way. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a very it's a very uh, <laughs> they're sort of libertarians. Hey, do what do what you want. Um, so uh, where were we? So as the hunter takes Tosk prisoner, O'Brien demands to escort Tosk off of the station. He's up to something. And he tosses his communicator. Still next generation error. You can see from the, the screenshot there, they have not updated the communicators to the sort of V2 Deep Space Nine Voyager era communicators, which... Uh, I believe they do for season two, possibly for season three. Um, but uh, you can, and you know, if, if you're a toy detail person, that first line of Deep Space Nine figures had the these next gen era communicators, not the updated ones. Um, and in terms of uh, what we know about Starfleet and Star Trek before. Um, the symbolism of leaving your communicator beyond the sort of practical, it's, it, you can't be tracked, is like, I am not taking this action as a Starfleet officer. Um, and so it's like it's like putting your, your sheriff's badge and leaving it when you, when you do that. So that's sort of what that's about. Uh, and uh, O'Brien zaps the hunter with a force field and runs off with Tosk. And uh, the hunt has resumed. Little does that hunter know that that's the least uh, harm that's about to come to him. Uh, Indeed, because we see him being thrown off a balcony as uh, they run off to the ship. Pretty big stunt here. Those were were pretty high high balconies there diving off. Um, And Odo leaps into action. But Cisco, here we go with our moral ambiguity, says, uh, you know what? There's no hurry. And Odo catches on and slow walks to stop them. So uh, O'Brien and Tosk sneak through the Jeffries tubes while O'Brien uses a slur for Cardassians. They uh, they get cornered by more hunters who suck at hunting, apparently, <laughs> as Tosk zaps the lead hunter because they all just kind of stand there and get shot. <laughs> so like you said, with the action... Uh, the action sequences, eh, you did, know. Did he kill that one hunter? I th- I mean, I would assume, 
that I mean, he they're using. That thing looked like a blast. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's a question of whether or not this species weapons have a stun setting. Um, uh, you know, certainly we know from canon that a lot of our adversaries do not have stun settings on their weapons. It's only set to kill. No, because so, later they have a whole conversation where they're like, "What are we going to tell them?" And like, "I'll oh, just tell them that his uh, all of his com- all his technology malfunctioned and like fried him." That's basically what he says. <laughs> well, in what are they going to tell the Federation? But these guys, it's part of the hunt. It's dangerous. They uh, they get it. Yeah. I, I will say from this from the screenshot here, it's pretty cool. The practical effects they use here for the sparks mm-hmm. because. These these sparks you're seeing on the screenshot here, that's not digital. That's not added. That's an actual, you know, it's a it, it's um, it's like a squib, but a spark squib. I guess it's it looks it looks pretty cool. Uh I uh I like it. So uh O'Brien gets to the ship and uh Tosk offers O'Brien to come along because they're buddies now. And uh O'Brien says I'm good. Uh, uh no thanks. <laughs> and uh Tosk flies into the sunset. So how how were you feeling here when uh, O'Brien rescues Tosk? I was like, make out, make out, make out. <laughs> but they didn't. Uh but that's okay. And O'Brien's married. I know. You but, can't you make know. out with Tosk? I don't know. Okay, although we we do not know about uh Keiko and O'Brien's marriage. But I th- I think we learn later that cutie baby, uh, it, but, uh, but but they they do not have an open marriage. It you know is, what? Uh, I was like hug, hug 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 <laughs> hug, and they did not. But they did not. Uh, I thought that in you know a forty I thought that for a forty six minute episode of television, there was a very distinct and earned arc to their relationship, and I thought the payoff was excellent. I thought I thought the way that I think Tosk's recognition of how O'Brien changed his thinking to give him what he really wanted was really beautiful, beautiful. And and I I think to play devil's advocate on your desire to have the hunters show up a little bit earlier is that the time that we spent with O'Brien and Tosk building that relationship is what earns this being an emotionally satisfying moment. Mm-hmm. Uh I think so from so I I think just from a from writer standpoint I see why they did that, and uh, and you're right in 46 minutes you have a lot of work to do and a lot of that's on the actors but I think they had enough space to breathe to let that marinate a little bit. And they, there's a line early on where Cisco's like, "Why?" They have all every reason to be uh, every reason to be skeptical of him, and they even found him kind of meddling around the weapons and whatnot. And O'Brien says, he's like, I just don't think there's any imminent threat from him. I can't explain why. I just feel it. And I think that that could be lazy shorthand writing, but it wasn't. They, it was, they were setting up for him to earn that emotional respect. No, and, we, and we're also learning that O'Brien has instincts yep, and has yep. good instincts. And, um, yeah, because for some it, people, it, this is their, this is, they're learning O'Brien's characteristics. Right. First time. This is the first time I've ever met him. Yeah. And, you know, and we know at this point that O'Brien's been through it, right? O'Brien's a veteran. He's been in war. He's been through a lot. 
And, and so he's, he's bringing to the table a lot of life experience and a lot of wisdom that maybe, uh, you know, one of the younger characters, Bashir, wouldn't have. Because um, O'Brien's a little older, a little more seasoned. So uh, in our final scene here, O'Brien admits to Cisco that he assaulted the hunters. And Cisco's pissed! And he dresses down O'Brien. Uh, and, uh, but the chief's like, I, I hear you pissed, but you, you, you could have stopped me like maybe six or seven different times. And, uh, and Cisco, uh, just sort of like does the great captain's nod and tiny smirk to, uh, to say that I had to, I had to dress you down. I had to yell at you, but I also was on and O'Brien's like, are you hitting on me? <laughs> okay, well, so... Guys, get ready uh, for that through line for the forever. rest. <laughs> Look, you know, Sing uh, Cisco is a single dude. It, with you know, a hell uh, of a collection of bathing suits. He's got a... <laughs> He's got a lot of really tight bathing suits, uh, and he's, uh, you know, his his wife is gone, he's widowed, he's got a, you know, if you don't mind a single father, he's a good-looking dude, he's in charge of a whole space station. Uh, I don't know, maybe there's, maybe there is hope. All right, kids, well, that is Deep Space Nine, Season 1, Episode 5, Captive Pursuit, and before we go to the Alamoremis, uh, we have a uh, surprise, Mike, a new segment entitled... And now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek Vocabulary Quiz! Okay! I did not know it was a quiz for me. Of course it's a quiz for you. Whoa. So as we... <laughs> so, uh, Since every I've been week... so articulate for the past hour. Well... Because you are new to Star Trek, we need to help immerse you in the world of Trek with some vocabulary terms. The first okay, one's okay. going to be very easy. Mike, explain to me what a force field is. Keith, that would be a piece of technology that creates an invisible yet palpable barrier. Okay, using energy. All right. Nice. Okay, so your second question is, Mike, what is, what are the Jeffries tubes? Oh, I knew you were going to, when you said it earlier, I knew you were going to, it's coming back. <laughs> the Jeffries tubes are a bunch of subterranean tunnels within the station created by Mr. Jeffries. <laughs> Uh, that uh, seem hidden, but apparently are very accessible to both the crew and the hunters. And what is the purpose of a Jeffrey's tube? To escape with your bromance guy? Ah. <laughs> the Jeffrey's tubes are the maintenance tubes. Oh. They who's, are for Who's Mr. Who's Jeffrey's then? Jeffries was the uh, set designer. Oh, that's cute. I believe. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's why they're the Jeffries tubes. Uh, all right, so that's uh, that's one right and one mostly right, but I wanted to play my wrong bumper. So <laughs> <laughs> now it is time 
to that's, come wait, along home. That's it? There's only two questions? That's not. There's only two. There's always well, because, three questions, Keith. There's not. Well, uh, there's only so many vocab <laughs> words, and we have 160 episodes. <laughs> hey, you know what is a question I couldn't answer yet? Mm. What the heck is an Alamoremi? Well, we're going to find out when we come along home. Our first question oh, is... I blew it. Oh. Our first <laughs> question is, uh, Mike, were there any wormholes in the plot? Oh, man. <laughs> Just... Wormholes in the graphics. <laughs> well, maybe not. I don't know if it's a wormhole, but I was a little... See, this is why I wanted them to to enumerate on the rules of the hunt a little bit. Because... Mm-hmm. Tosk says he saw a ship go into the wormhole, and so he decided to chase it. And then he's, like, scanning their ship for weapons. Why is he weaponless? Why is he seeking out weapons? Is he allowed to have weapons in the hunt, or is he supposed to not have weapons? Like, I wasn't... I I think he's allowed to have them, but he needs to scavenge them. Okay. so It's like at the beginning of Running Man, you have nothing, but you're allowed to scavenge. So we don't really have a pre-beat. We don't know how long the hunt has been ongoing with Tosk. We don't know we don't. how early on. So it could be that he just hasn't he hasn't gotten any weapons yet. That's right. So anywhere he goes, he's like, oh, man, I got to get some or, weapons. Or he had them and he lost them or who knows. Because the line he says early on is when they go through the weapon scanner with O'Brien, he goes, oh, you travel with weapons on your person? Like that was something that was unique. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe he's not allowed to carry a weapon. I mean, I, I would assume that he's never been able to before the hunt, obviously. Uh, but it, all it I'm is, saying it, is that for me, the wormhole is I need more rules. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I and uh, if uh, I, you know, I bet you there's probably in the beta canon somebody has written a novel about Tosk that will have a lot also, more information. What's up with the the Debo girl? The Dabo. The Debo. Girl. Back to we're, trivia we're gonna, questions. We're what is Debo? We're filling him in. What is Debo? <laughs> Keith, what about you? Did you sense any wormholes? Yeah, well, I, I think I mentioned it before. I would just like to know what the biological or technical process is that allows uh, yes. uh, allows him to be invisible. Because uh, it is such a... It's 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 not like a little thing. That's a really crazy, big, amazing thing that I would like to know uh, how exactly Tosk becomes invisible. Uh, all right. So let us move forward to what... Eh, I'm getting refreshed. I'm getting rebeamed in. Mike, what was your best moment of the episode? As he struck... There it is. I'm just trying to keep you... Nice and high res, Keith. It's not. It's not going well. Uh, no. I really enjoyed the moment. No, I think for me this was. An, it, there's a lot of choice moments. I liked where. I really liked where Quark was trying to like impart some wisdom, and mm-hmm. 
O'Brien blatantly is not listening to a, a GD word he says, gets it gets an idea and takes off, but then Quark still takes it as like, yeah, I did it. I'm I'm a good barkeep. And then he goes up to some extra and is like, so what do you want to chat about? I really like that moment. But I think the best moment for me is the very earned moment at the end with O'Brien and Tosk, especially where Tosk is like, O'Brien, die with honor. Kiss me. <laughs> and then revealed his lizard tongue. But mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, th- those those <laughs> man, the internet, you're not ready for our for our really cutting insight. <laughs> Guys, I feel like Keith has so much to say, but then Mike just like makes it all horny. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I hate to hate to spoil this, but uh, we have a bumper in our other show, and I just happen to have it right oh. here. <laughs> oh, you know what? My goodness. It's in. It's in the show now. It's in the show. It's 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 canon now. It's it canon. is canon in uh, the Deep Space Nine show. What about you? Yeah. Keith? So. So my favorite moment, and I think like you said, earned, was the final scene with Cisco and O'Brien, um, where I think it really well articulates the sort of moral complexity we have in this moment, where everybody sort of has a role to play, and we're doing this little dance around each other, where Cisco has to dress him down for insubordination for for not following the prime directive he's got to do it and he's got to he's got to do it for real right because that is his job as a captain as a and as as a federation officer um and o'brien has to acknowledge it and take it right because that's because he knows that he's he's wrong in that sense and at the same time o'brien has the wherewithal I'm I'm free. Just you know, just pretend. Nobody nobody's really looking at me anyway. Uh, O'Brien has the wherewithal to call Cisco and sort of break the. Mike's Mike's dying here. I'm trying to make a point. <laughs> That's the best part. The best part is you're like trying to like have a moment. Oh my god. Uh, we're, we're, we're a mess. I'm not we're always going to be a mess. I'm not cutting any of it. No, no, no. This stays. <laughs> it all stays in. That's that is our contract with you. Uh so so yeah, I mean O'Brien being able to <laughs> to call Cisco on the fact that Cisco's lying. He's telling the truth and he's lying at the same time. <laughs> Mike is literally crying. <laughs> You know what? It's a good seed, damn it. It's a really well-performed seed. When you were like, Mike, we got to do Deep Space Nine. We got to do a Star Trek watch show. This is what you dreamed of. <laughs> Take my beloved thing seriously and talk about it with all of the, mor- the moral questions no, about look, the I universe. found that scene beautiful, too. I'm weeping. <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, whatever. You've seen the scene. You know it's great. And you, <laughs> you know those performances are great. <laughs> All right. Uh, before oh. Mike becomes dehydrated from his tears, let us give this episode oh. a rating. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh, my God. The internet. 
Uh, uh, he's literally right, well, dying. All right, the rating for the episode, I think, is higher than the refresh rate on Keith's camera. It um, definitely is. I don't know what's going on there, but we got an excellent... I really don't. It's okay. Uh, we, we got a fantastic uh, uh, suggestion from our friend JD on what we should be rating this in. What yes. is our currency? And uh, he... You're not going to understand this yet, but I think it's brilliant. We need to rate this on from 1 to 100 self-sealing stem bolts. So, uh, yeah, Mike, we should, how many self-sealing stem bolts did, uh, did this uh, episode get? Out of 100, of course. Out of 100, of course. Um... I'd have to say, Keith, uh, I really enjoyed it. It was sort of a bottle episode in many ways. It was very much like a mm-hmm. an O'Brien-centric type of episode. So I think it's one of my it's one of the, my favorite episodes so far. This of the five, where where have I been kind of coming down? You've been coming down in the eighties for the most part. See, I really set myself up. Kind of, I should have. Uh, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. The action was a little lacking. Uh, we needed a little more lore, but I think ultimately I still really enjoyed it. So, but I mean, I mean, now we're in the '80s, so I think I'm still right there. Nothing's like blown me out of the water yet. Everything's kind of been really good and really solid. So I'm yep. gonna stay where I was at, and I'm gonna say 83 self-injecting. Slime bolts. <laughs> Self-sealing scum bolts. Almost. You're getting closer. I got nothing, man. Self-sealing. Sealing. Stem. Stem belt bolts. Stem bolts. Stem belts. 83 self-sealing stem bolts. There you go. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, I'm saying that. Yeah, I mean, I I sort of feel the same way. I think it's a, um, this is one of those episodes that I forget about. And then when I see it, I'm like, oh yeah, this was really good. Um, so it's not like, one of those like, oh my god, that episode, I can't wait to watch it over and over again. But it's always welcome. It's like it's like that friend that you sort of forgot about, but they're always welcome. And uh Is this the only really time we like... see Tosk? This is the only time we see Tosk. Man, a one man, I hope that that actor signed some rider and got some money for that action figure. I that is a really good question. I would love to know that. I doubt it. Yeah. It doesn't sound like uh but uh yeah, so so I, I like this episode. I really like the sort of explorations of the morality. I really like um, the design. I mean, I, like, I, there's a reason they wa- they won an Emmy for these for these designs. You know, the action for Star Trek was like actiony. It was fine. Um, performances were great. We got to see Colomini stretch a little bit, um, and you can see like, oh wow, this guy's great. And I think that's that's what they discovered on Next Gen. Um, and we want to give him a chance to do this. Um, you know, 
but as a it's a self-contained episode like i said it's a it's a bottle episode it's it's um it's not serialized at all it's not tied into the major storylines um so uh yeah i would say it's a it's an average to slightly above average episode i'm gonna give it a 81 self wait wait mike T- tell me again what they are self sealing stem bolts Yes, well done. 81 self-sealing stem bolts. All I think right, that so firmly we... entrenches it as our number one episode thus far. No. No, I think you gave one an 88. But <laughs> okay. I, I'm gonna, I, I haven't built the spreadsheet yet, but I'm going to. Uh, all right, so uh, next week, what does Mike think is going to happen? Before well, I he... tell you what's really going to happen. I'd like to say that I would like to retire this segment because I just, it's... It's so early, it's hard for me to envision stuff. So I would like to take this opportunity to say okay. to not just our patrons, but if you are a patron, hit us up on the patron message boards. Yeah. But also you, our YouTube audience, welcome. Thanks for finding the show. Let us know down below what might be a funnier slash more interesting segment than this because I'm just not feeling the creativity, Keith. But since I have to do it this one last week before- Because Mike I'm, has no imagination. That's the problem. For this, well, it's, I mean- what I would like to see is a clearly more horny stuff, but <laughs> instead, I think it's time we get back to to Kira. I think Kira okay. has got to Kira some stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, I think maybe I because all I generally do in this segment is pick a character I'd like to learn more about. I already asked for more Dax, and we're not getting enough Dax. I want yeah. more Dax. So how about a Kira Dax partner up for something? Okay. And, uh, you know, here's here's what will help. Uh, Mike, why don't you, instead of telling us what's going to happen next week, why don't you tell us how wh- uh, what you would use a self-sealing stem bolt for? This is a family-friendly show, right? Ish. Mm-hmm. Well, Keith, I feel like we did joke and we discussed whether the Tosk rate... Do we know what the other Tosk are called? Just They're the just hunters? the hunters. Yeah. Well, I think as much as fun as we had, Keith, and kids watching at home that are maybe a little scared of violence, we, we joked that that guy, that that hunter might be dead. But of course, Brashear's going to roll up to him in during the credits and just mm-hmm. jab one of those self-sealing stem bolts right inside him, and he's going to good as new next tomorrow. They're going to put a little doodad over him, and the readings are going to be like a okay. Well, you want to know why? Because he's going to put a bolt in his neck here and a bolt in his neck there, and he's going to Frankenstein them. Yeah, Frankenstein them. There it is. Okay, well, next week, we will be discussing Q-less. So, look out, kids. Stuff is gonna happen. More like uh, Q-more. Q-more, yeah, it's always, Q is always more. So, uh, anyway, uh, if you have enjoyed what we are doing here and our nonsense, and God knows why, you can support us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash K and M. For those of us getting this on the podcast uh, and not seeing the video, it's patreon.com slash K and A-N-D-M. And uh, we have all sorts of fun goodies there, and it's a great way to communicate with us um, and uh, send us questions. We're going to do and ask anything that's going to be fun. And you can see, Mike, watch the episode. It's super fun. So uh, till then... This has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. 
If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KNM. <laughs>